0: Hallelujah. Well, I feel like we already had church. Amen. We could, we could give the benediction and uh, just go on home. Good stuff, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, <clears throat> most of you probably know that uh, <clears throat> our dear sister, inner porter, went home to be with the Lord and had her home going yesterday here at the church and i want to thank everybody that participated there's a long list of people there's so many people here if if you uh you were helping out yesterday in any capacity with that would you just stand we want to recognize all those who helped there's a long list we'll give them a big god bless you i mean there's a lot of people here you know and uh, i want to appreciate i want to say thank you so much you can be seated for, for helping out during this time. I really appreciate Brother Bruce doing the officiating for me and stepping in. And It's a blessing. I try to conserve my energy and get ready for Sunday morning. And uh, I'm so thankful we've got such a great team here at Passion Church that I don't even have to think about it. As a matter of fact, if I didn't show up, it'd just keep right on going, and that's the way it ought to be. Amen? That's uh, exactly the way it ought to be. Well, we're talking about covenant and contradiction. Amen. Because we do have a covenant, but there are contradictions that come against that covenant working in our life. So we want to talk about that. And today we want to talk about defeating the allies of contradiction. You know, our, we have covenant allies, and I'm going to talk about that, Lord willing, next week. But there are allies of contradiction that warfare against us, and we want to talk about that. We don't want to be ignorant it. We want to be aware of that. Jesus said, in this world you will have... Tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Amen. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be uh, contradictions, temporary obstacles. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be circumstances which oppose the will and covenant of God. But we need to learn that that doesn't change God's Word. That doesn't change our salvation. That doesn't change the covenant of God. It's the same. It's sure. It's, it's, it's absolutely infallible because we talked about that last week about the covenant. I might just review just a little bit. But we said that the covenant we're talking about, see, sometimes we think about it. And it is true. It is between us and God. But we need to understand how that us and God is. And we looked at that last week out of Galatians. Because the covenant's really between the Father God and the seed, not seeds, but seed, which is Christ Jesus. So you've got an infallible God and a perfect, infallible Savior, and that's who the covenant stands between. That's the reason it's always sure. That's the reason it never can fail. That's the reason it always works, because you've got a covenant relationship between a a perfect, infallible God and a perfect, infallible Savior. I mean, praise God, the deck is stacked in our favor. And this is what we need to understand as we move forward and talk about the covenant. That's why we can be confident in it. I can be confident when I stand on this promise. Not because I've dotted every I and crossed every T and done everything just right. But because of what Jesus has done. Look in uh, Romans chapter 8 just a minute. Romans 8 2. Very familiar portion of scripture, I'm sure. It says here, it says that through because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit Who gives life and set you free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death at work in the earth is the contradiction. But the law of life, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that's the covenant. And it is the greater one. Because notice what he says. He didn't say that, you know, the law of sin and death overcame the law of the spirit of life. He says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ, where is it? In Christ. Where's our covenant connection? In Christ. And so as we look at this, we see that this is the law that we should be living under as covenant people of God. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I've come that you might have and have it more. See, we have a picture of life that is really not life at all. Because in this world, it's the law of, the, of sin and death that we call life. But it is such a low level, I mean, of existence. We think that's what life is. So that when we begin to experience, and we begin to see other people experience the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we're like, wow. I mean, you know, I, why, should, that, why should they be so blessed? Because the law of the spirit of life is what they're living under. They're living under the covenant. A lot of times we're still living more under the contradiction than we are under the covenant. So when we see somebody living in the, spirit of the law of the spirit of life, and we see them blessed. We see their finances blessed, their kids blessed, their bodies blessed. We see them overcoming the contradictions in life. We want to say, well, God must have favorites. No, He doesn't have. Well, yeah, He's got favorites. You're all His favorites. But it's about Covenant. And see, if we don't understand that and we don't begin to live in that, then we can drop back down to this law of sin and death. And we can just, you know, just live on get-by street, you know, at the end of, you know, Grumble Alley with a little hut, a little lean-to, and just, you know, well, you know, God don't want us to have much here. I mean, really, if you think about it, you oughtn't to say that because for number one, it's such an insult to Calvary. You're telling me that God didn't want, it, didn't want you to have much, so He sent His only begotten Son to the cross so you could not have much? Something about that don't ring true to me, Brother Bruce. No, He said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. This is what we're talking about. Now, I'm just reviewing a little bit. We're going to go from there. Look in verse 11, same chapter. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, well, is He? Then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. So it's the Spirit of life that quickens everything. He makes us a new creation in Christ Jesus. All our sins are forgiven. But he also says he will quicken your bodies. Amen. Well, that's what I'm standing on. The Spirit of life. I'm living under the Spirit of life. I'm not living under the law of sin and death anymore. Amen. Let's look. Look again. Let's look over in Galatians again. As I said, I'm just going to review real quickly. I'm not going to go into everything we did last week. But sometimes there are people listening out there, or maybe here, one here last week. Verse thirteen: Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. You ought to you ought to read over there sometime in Deuteronomy twenty-eight what the curse of the law is, so you know what you redeemed from. Because sometimes you know we we put up with rather than fight and resist. We just accept rather than resist. Listen, we're part of a great resistance force in the earth. Amen. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. So resisting the works of the devil is how we resist him. Yes, we resist him sometimes too, but we resist his works. Amen. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a pole or on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now look at, look in verse, uh, skip down to verse 16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. His seed. Who was the seed? Christ Jesus. Scripture does not say into seeds as plural, but to Seed, your seed, meaning the person who is Christ. So, let's, look, now let's skip on down. Well, let's look in verse 18. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in His grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Now, let's look down in verse 23. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under law, locked up until faith was to come, until uh, faith was to come was to come would be revealed, so the law was our guardian until Christ came that He might be justified, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith is come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. You get that? All children of God. For you have all been baptized into Christ who hath clothed and have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to get this last verse right here. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's... So he's calling us the same thing that he's calling Jesus up here, the seed, the promise is given to the seed. And because we are in Christ Jesus, we are also called the seed. So the covenant is unbreakable. The covenant is infallible to us as well as to Jesus. You're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, we remember, what are some of these benefits? Remember we looked in Psalm 103, which is kind of a summation of it. But the benefits include Deliverance from spiritual death. That is what? Eternal life, being born again, being part, baptized into Christ. It also means deliverance from sickness and disease. Thank you. So You may be battling like me. You may be battling with a contradiction. But i got news for you. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. And you too. Because we're the seed. We're the seed. Hallelujah. So he says over there in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all your iniquities. How many sins did he forgive? Did God overlook one? Did he forget one? was one hiding somewhere, and God didn't see it. And he also goes on to say, And heals all your diseases. So this same covenant God who forgave all your sins, also is the God, covenant God who heals all your diseases. All of them. Hallelujah. Amen. Our covenant in Christ Jesus has provided us freedom from the law of sin and death for, so that we can enjoy all the benefits of our new life. God wants you blessed according to the covenant. Not according to what the pastor says, not according to what a denomination says, not according to what some man says. God wants you blessed according to the covenant. What's the use of having the covenant? If He didn't want you to have the benefits of the covenant, why would He give it to you? I mean, you know, if I gave you $100 and told you, now you keep this $100, but don't you dare spend it. Well, I might as well have kept it. For all the good it's going to do you. Isn't that true? If I give it to you, it's for one reason. I want you to enjoy it. I mean, if you need to pay a bill, pay a bill. You want to take your wife out to dinner? Go to dinner. But, I mean, I I gave it to you because I want you to enjoy it. I saw that hand. Amen? So, that's why. So, but there are, and this is where I want to kind of drill down today, there are allies of contradiction that seek to control our thought life, our confession, and ultimately our tongue. The spirit principle is this. First, control our thoughts. The thoughts control the tongue. And the tongue determines our believing and receiving. Turn over to James chapter 3. Let's look into this a little more in depth. Because... This is, this is always, the contradiction always is dealing right up here, isn't it? Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the contradiction is always right up here. See, the covenant's in here. The contradiction's up here. And so, James chapter 3, and let's pick it up in about verse, oh, about verse 3 there. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us so we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. You know, if we allow our thoughts to be captured by the allies of contradiction fear, doubt, unbelief, you know what will happen is, it will seize control of the rudder of our life, which is our tongue. And instead of we under God, by the Holy Spirit, guiding our ship to the port of covenant, it will keep us shipwrecked, it will keep us constantly swirling around in the waters of our troubles, and we never seem to get anywhere. He said, he said, it doesn't matter how strong the winds are of contradiction. If you are, if your hand, if you're in, whoever's in control of the rudder, it's not the winds blowing against you that determine the direction of your ship. It's whose hand is on the rudder. Because he said here, he said, they may be driven by strong winds, but he said they're steered by a very small rudder. In this case, it's the tongue, isn't it? Wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. You know, most of the great wildfires that are happening out in the, in the west, you know, they start by a very small spark. Might be a campfire. Sometimes it might be somebody just throwing a cigarette out, whatever. But, you know, and then all of a sudden there's hundreds of thousands if not millions of acres that's set on fire. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. And that's true. Listen, you let your, you let your tongue go un, uncontrolled. Oh, my gosh. The things that it will say. The things that will come out your mouth. Oh, you, you won't even believe you could have said such a thing. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. See? When you begin to allow the allies, fear, doubt, you start speaking out the contradictions that are coming against you. You talk about the winds and the waves all the time. About how difficult it is, about how hard it is, about what a difficult... I don't know if this is... I'm not sure if God really uh, heard my prayer. I'm not sure if this is really going to work. See, you start speaking all that. He says it's going to corrupt everything. It's going to corrupt your body. It's going to corrupt your situation. It corrupts the whole body and it sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Now, notice verse 8 down there, real quick. No human being can tame the tongue. You say, Well, good grief, James. Why'd you go through explaining all this and then tell us that? Well, he just should have just said, Well, you know, I got a lot of bad news here. It's all about the tongue. And it'll really mess your life up. But, you know, I got some more bad news. No man can tame it. And that's true. No man can. But thank God, you know what? The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus in the covenant, when we begin to renew our mind with God's Word and God's thoughts, we begin to let them control our thinking. The next thing you know, they, you know what? Your tongue's going to begin. You're going to talk about what you think about the most. You're going to speak what you're thinking about the most. We can always locate you if we're la- around you long enough. Now, I know here at church, you know, you, you can, you can rein it in for a few minutes. You, you, you know how we do that, don't you? Hallelujah, brother. God bless you. Hallelujah. How you doing? I'm great. I'm blessed. How are you? You know, we get our church speak out. And, we, we, you know, we, get, we got about 30 minutes of church speak. But boy don't if you hang around us too long, we run out of church speak. And some of that other speaking comes out. That's where you really locate yourself, isn't it? So understand this principle. It's so important. First, our thought life. Turn over to Second Corinthians. Again, these are scriptures that we know, but I want to tie it together because I want us to understand how we're going to defeat the allies of contradiction. Because I'm telling you what, they're real. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. There are some strongholds that are always revealed when the contradiction comes. Are you listening? Are you listening? There may be good strongholds. They may be bad strongholds. But there's going to be strongholds revealed. There's either going to be the word's going to come up out of your heart that you've been putting in there. Or all that other stuff's going to come out. But something is going to happen when the pressure comes. He says, on the contrary, they had divine power to destroy strongholds. We demolish arguments. You know what contradictions always want to do? They want to argue with you. God's covenant. Fear won't stay. Yeah, but it's not happening this time. I mean, look how you feel. Look how you look. Look at your checkbook. Feel that pain in your body? It's only going to get worse. The doctor said so. You can't live. You can't make it. Nobody's ever lived that had this. Blah, 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 blah. It's all those contradictions. Listen to contradiction. Let me just say this. Once you get light on, the, on your situation from God's Word, let that end the argument. You know, used to years ago, you know, that you, you know, when you do it, somebody wanted to argue, they'd say, talk to the hand. You know, we ought to just put, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when, every time the devil comes, we say, talk to the hand. Just talk to the hand, devil, because you know what? It's settled. It's settled. They have divine power to demolish arguments. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and His covenant. The covenant is sure. It's because it's between God and Christ Jesus. It is between me and God, but it's because I'm in Christ. Christ is the guarantor. I'm not the guarantor of the covenant. I just get the benefits. See, some of y'all are struggling so hard to be the guarantor of the, of the covenant. Oh, I just hope. Did I pray enough? Did I pray it just right? Did I cross every... T did a dot every idea. And you get all, all fearful about that. You're not the guarantor of the covenant. Jesus is the guarantor. You're high priest, the apostle. He's the guarantor. Hallelujah. You got it made, because he's the guarantor of it. It's settled already. So what are you doing listening to the liar? Because his arguments are lies. It sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. You have to take captive. I said, that's where the fight of faith is. Taking captive every thought. Taking captive. Well, I'm going to tell you, man. The devil comes. I mean, the onslaught comes. You've got to take them captive. If you don't, they're going to captivate you. See, this, you know, and we're, going to, we're getting into this a little bit later in the message, Lord willing. But, you know, there's so much talked about, you know, Christian suffering. You know where the suffering is? It's right here. It's when, it's when you have an attack on your finances, your body, your marriage, whatever it might be. You have an attack against you, and, and you're, standing in, you're standing on the covenant promises of God, but yet that enemy of fear and doubt, the enemy's coming against you. I mean, in the night seasons. I'm going to tell you something. You know, thank God, and I appreciate all the prayers. I do. I, 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 I thank you for all your prayers. But no matter how many people you have praying for you, there is a point where it comes down to what you and God, what you under God do with your faith when the enemy comes in the dark dark hour, in the night season. You better do something. You better know something. And you better be a doer of the Word and not just counting on pastor or somebody else to pray you out of that thing. He said... You take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. This is, where, this is where the suffering comes in because I'm going to tell you what. You know what? Your flesh don't feel like doing it. Your emotions don't feel like doing it. Man, they, you know, they just want to roll over and wallow in it. You never can't get a witness anywhere. So, we understand this. The process doesn't start with our believing, but with our thinking. If we're going to defeat the allies of contradiction, we have get, it begins with the mind. It begins with our thought life. We've got to fill our minds and hearts with the covenant word of God. We've got to know that we know that we know, because we know that we know. Amen? And because of Jesus, I have confidence. Not because of me. Oh, Lord. It's because of Him. I got God on the right hand, Jesus on the left hand. Hallelujah. So I just said, you know, give it your best shot, devil. I got a one-two knockout punch. He's already been knocked out. So here's the thing. We're either going to agree with the allies of contradiction are the allies of God's covenant, which is His word, His promises? What are you agreeing with? With whom are you agreeing with? That's something you better ask yourself. Fears, doubts, contrary circumstances, or God's covenant promises? What are you, you going to look at? Look, in, look at Hebrews 12. Well, let's pick it up at verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Well, let me back up. This is so good, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. These, these thoughts of doubt and fear, they're hindrances. They're sins, but they're hindrances too. They're hindrances to the progress of God's work in your life. They're the hindrances to the fulfillment of His covenant in your life. See, the reason... Well, I mean remember the children of Israel for 40 years they got they got nowhere. I mean they they moved a lot they got a lot of exercise they were on the go there was a lot of activity but they didn't they never went anywhere they, concerning God's covenant they never entered the promised land did they well, I want, to give God, I want to go in. I want to, I want to be enjoying God's promised land. That's not in the, here, the great hereafter. That's in the right now and now. Amen? See, Canaan land is right now. That's, that's living in the covenant. That's over there where the, you know, the cluster of grapes are so big it takes two men to carry them. See, that's God's idea of life. See, our idea of life is a handful of grapes. God's idea of life, abundant life. Is the grapes are so big, took two men, you know, on a pole between them to carry them. Big difference there, isn't it? Between God's life intended for us and what our life might be. He said, so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and scorning, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition. One translation says contradiction from sinners, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Listen, you think Jesus wasn't dealing with some contradiction in Gethsemane? When he went to pray, and it says he's, when he sweated, it was like drops of blood. He says, I'm in agony. What was he dealing with? The contradictions. What was he suffering with? The contradictions of being separated from God, of taking... You think about just having to deal with your own mess. Think about taking on the mess of billions of people at one time. No wonder he was in agony. He, suffered the, he was suffering the contradictions. He, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass. Boy, I paid that a few times. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. See, that's where the suffering comes in. It's not suffering with sickness or disease or lack. It's, it's the suffering between the covenant and the contradiction. Will I hold fast to my faith? Will I fix my eyes on the pioneer and perfecter of my faith and run with perseverance? Or am I going to let the contradictions overwhelm me? Let fear and doubt overtake me. Well, which will I do? It's up to you. You've got to decide. This is the fight of faith right here. You know, he said in 1 Timothy 6, 12, he said, Fight the good fight of faith. This is it right here, church. The fight between the covenant and the contradiction. Will we stand in the time of adversity, or will we cave in? Will we draw upon the inner resources of the Holy Spirit and God's grace? Will we draw upon the Word of God? And here's the thing, you know, it's hard to draw on resources you don't have. I mean, you know, if I need to pay a, a thousand a bill for thousand dollars, and you know, and I've, I've got no money in the bank, then not, I mean, that's a difficult thing to do. I mean, the, the contradiction will absolutely overwhelm you. And see, that's what the enemy wants to tell you. He says, "See, you do You have no way to fight this. You have no way to win in this situation." You have no way. You have no resources. You have no way. And the problem is, a lot of gullible Christians swallow that. You know, that's right. That's right. I I feel so weak. I feel so inadequate. I mean, I I don't have the resources. I don't have the resources. That's what he wants you to believe. But listen, what did Paul say about resources? He said, but my God shall supply all of your need according to His resources in heaven by Christ Jesus. There's a covenant. Because you got, you're got, in, you're the seed. You're in, you're part of the covenant. All the covenant resources are yours. All of the covenant resources are yours. Do not allow Him to tell you that you do not have the resources to win your fight of faith. You do have all the resources of heaven behind you. You need to go grab hold of them by faith and by perseverance. Amen? You know, Abraham, he talked about Abraham, you know, that he made the covenant with Abraham. Uh, and, you know, it says about Abraham, let's look over in Romans 4 real quick. That Abraham believed God. We know that. And it was, God counted it to him as righteousness. So he was justified by his faith, just like we are justified by our faith. He believed God's promises. He believed God's covenant. God says, I'm making a covenant. But notice, he said, said, I'm making a covenant, not just with you, Abraham, but with your seed. With your seed. See, what did Jesus say about Abraham? He said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. I believe he saw it. And I don't have time to get over there in Genesis, but you can read it sometime, where God cut the covenant with him. Remember, he he brought the animals out. He split them in two. He caused a a great sleep to come on Abraham. And then the Spirit of God walked up and down in between. I believe that's when Abraham saw the day of Christ. I believe he he saw ahead by the Spirit of God supernaturally. And through that covenant, that was being made, he saw the seed that it was being made with, and that's what he believed and was counted as righteous. Mm. That's pretty good. Verse 13, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law errs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless. See, if you go trying to do this and become the guarantee of the the covenant yourself and you try to work it all out and figure it all out and everything, you've just made the promise worthless. I remember when Cindy and I were missionaries, we were living in uh, Bolivia and they had hyperinflation. Listen, you could have a suitcase full of money and it's pretty much worthless. I could take $100 U.S. dollars US down to, the, to exchange for Bolivian money, and I'd have to take a small suitcase to put the Bolivian money in. See, he, he wants to, that's what the devil wants to d- get you to do. He wants you to start fearing and doubting and all of those things so that while, all of a sudden the promise becomes worthless as far as you're concerned because you're not depending on the promise. You're not drawing upon the promise. You're not believing in the promise. But the just shall live by? Because the law brings wrath. I remember another thing about Argentina. We'd we'd travel. A lot of times we'd go for a week or two weeks at a time traveling from one city to the next doing crusades and meetings and being on the radio and different things like that. Boy, I love that when you travel like that. No speed limits. None. You, you got outside the city, you didn't see a, you didn't see a speed, li, speed you know, limit sign. It's all she could go. I, I can remember driving 100, 110 people blowing by me like I was, <laughs> you know, like the roadrunner going by Wile E. Coyote. I mean, you know, it was pedal to the metal. <laughs> so all of you that like to drive fast, you, you, you would like that. But you know what? You didn't have to have your head on a swivel either, thinking, you know, I'm going to get a ticket. There was no wrath. There was no ticket given. Speeding ticket, you didn't get a speeding ticket outside the city because there was no, there was no law against it. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word.